and you could say that's God's hand in it. But it's a it's an interactive thing. We interact with the earth, and then we can we can bring forth food. So it's a partnership um, between what God provides and the work and ingenuity we bring to it by planting, irrigating, fertilizing, propagating, and harvesting. And you can think of art in the same way, because with art. Your raw materials aren't anything until you put yourself into it. So it's, it's that um, transformation that happens. And, um, you know, we were just talking about how um, you have to do things many, many times. I can't, I'm trying to think of the reference you made. Um, and then finally something that bears fruit. Rebecca. Yeah, drawing, exactly. She can't, she can't haul that big pitcher of water unless she's done it many times because it, she wouldn't be able to lift it. So that is, that's a great metaphor for the artistic activity. Now, I wanted to reconnect with Miriam because we talked about waters last week and we talked about Miriam. And I, I mentioned last week that I had gone to visit Arthur Feldman in his gallery. And he has all this Greek... Oh, Greenware from Israel, and this was a, a little medallion, a bronze medallion that was on um, like a, a lid of a bowl. And it, it's really very small, it's only about two and a half inches, but I thought it was really beautiful, so I took a photo of it. It's a little bas relief. Who's the artist? I don't know, I don't remember. It's, you know, it's this greenware that was um, kind of mass produced, but this ah, was a particularly ah. really beautiful piece. It was piece. discovered and all of a sudden became oh, collector yeah. items. <laughs> no, like all of our moms had that yeah, stuff, everybody, right? Yeah, everybody had a base. Yeah. Now it's expensive. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is an artist I want to introduce you to. Her name is Ruth Weisberg. Mm -hmm. And Ruth Weisberg is just a phenomenal artist, very well known, very successful. Her work is in um, galleries. She's had many solo shows. She's the dean of the art school at, at USC. And wow. she is really into the human figure and into narrative art. And What's UFC? USC, University, University of Southern California. California. Um, and she um, is like the, the poets that Arlen referenced in the sense that she never went with the trends. She always stayed with figurative and narrative art. I would say she's, she's got to be in her, well into her 70s. So she's been at this a long time. And she studied in, in Rome. She uh, went to Rome and she drew from the marbles and she really had a classical education and loves the figure. So all of, and all of her work is very Jewish. It's either Jewish history or Bible and, yes? Um, I remember I showed you that picture of my girlfriend that she did that pomegranate? Yeah. So she's in her class, there's oh. a Jewish women's, um, art class in LA. How fantastic. And she, Ruth Weisberg runs that. Yeah, wow. she's a phenomenal person. Her girlfriend person. is in that group. Wow. Oh, well, so love her. Gather, Can we take a they, field trip? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. I like that. Often. I mean, um, well, this is part of the Jewish Art Salon and, and Artist Beit Midrash movement, which you are all participating in. And, um, the idea of, of artists who are Jewish getting together, studying text, and creating work. And Ruth, I've met her at uh, the Connie Conference of Jewish Art at, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison several times. And also she curated a show. She was one of the curators of, or she was actually on the, she's on the board of this gallery at USC, and I just got a print into a show there uh, about the High Holidays. So, um, 
she's connected with that. But that's not why I put her in. But um, so she's she's the the title of this work. This is called Separating the Waters. So she has a very LA image in a sense. You know, it's like a woman in a swimming pool. But it's about separating the waters, which is what we talked about last that's week right. in Genesis. Uh, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. So she's she's doing something very, she's bringing the nude into Jewish art, which is not what we traditionally think of. Um, but but like I said, she's a, you know, she's an observ a Jewishly observant artist. Um, yeah, I mean, she's older than me. <laughs> Younger than me. Okay, so, and this is another one. And these are monoprints, so she's pa she's painting these on a surface and then print, running a print. So it's a single image. But her, technically, she's unbelievable. She's done these huge paintings. So I would Google her if I were you, because she's really worth looking at. Um, now, this is an interesting work. This is by an artist named Cheslin Amato. And I'm going to read you what she says about this work. This is a photograph, and then she makes um, digital prints. And this was from an exhibit called Dura Europos, which was organized by the New York Jewish Art Salon and was at the Philadelphia Art Museum. Can I ask the people know Dura Europos? Dura Europos was a site in from the second century, the second century site, yeah. and they found a huge amount of mosaics, um, and uh, it's a synagogue. It was a synagogue. It's a synagogue. I think it's in, is it in Iraq? It's or in Syria? Iraq. Yeah. And, these, and you can also look that up, and you'll see um, amazing um, walls with pictures of all kinds of biblical scenes and mosaics and um, astrological stuff. It's a very interesting site. Yeah. What happened yeah. was is they filled it with sand to use it as a battlement during a, a, a battle. Yeah, yeah. And so that sand preserved a lot of those uh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, yeah. it was it was sort of a stepping off point for this group exhibit, and you can look this up, and and it's a very large group exhibit with Jewish artists. Yeah. So in Philadelphia. Yeah, at the at the uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia Art Museum. Is if you Google Dura Europos <coughs> Philadelphia, is it still there? Oh, <coughs> no, this was yeah. but the, all the art is online. Okay. So so a question <coughs> came to me, and um, how does I was under the impression that in traditional Judaism, for whatever that means today, you're not supposed to make images of graven of, of people. Of people. Yeah. Which I might be wrong. And it's, it's amazing considering that that is out there. How many artists over time, Jewish history, have put images into into the into artwork? So it's not an issue, or it still is. I'm just well, curious. I mean, I I used to love to paint the figure in the nude, so I, I'm not that way. But I wonder how that's reconciled. It's it's images to worship, like like uh, idol worships, but worships. Like, that's what is forbidden. It depends on how orthodox you are. Yeah, like, like anything else. I, I was asked to do a of a book for a very orthodox rabbi in Jerusalem and I sent him about 20 pictures and he didn't accept any of them because some had the sun and the moon in some had people in them and he wouldn't take them. So I suppose it depends on the level of orthodoxy. Um, the nude is also, I mean, it's a matter of snow, you know, a modesty. But then was the raised the question of in the cemetery you have images of people and it's okay. So it's not a. Oh, you mean on, on stones? Yeah. On the stones. The dead people on stones. And yeah. the Orthodox people had it too. I mean, it's not a, the thing is not to have an image that you worship. 
that you pray to and so on. And I think it's right. missing those understood. I, I would think it's... It, there's tons of figuration. I've really uh, right. ex explored the subject in some detail. And there's tons of figuration in I'm Jewish sure. art. Yeah. Part, some of the idea that we don't use figuration comes from Christian philosophers who called Jewish artists aniconic, which means they don't represent. So that was a kind of a Christian idea that it, from the 19th century that was laid on Judaism. And it turns out, as we find, like uh, we find evidence of these Polish wooden synagogues from the 18th century, 19th century, they were very richly painted on the well, interior. Well, even when they dug up Jura Europa, so they go like, what's with all the yes. people there? Right. I mean, was, but you know, going back to this time, but also much later. So, um, and the, the and there's human figures all over the place. I, I make ketubot, and, and traditional ketubot have all sorts of. Um, astrological symbols that have human figures. Right. Well, Chagall, so, for example. Yeah, have so it's really, it's really a kind of a non-starter. Yeah. What did you say? There's, yeah, we don't have anything like the Michelangelo David. That, that kind of... Well, because the, that's another thing. The Greeks yeah. worship the human body. Right. I think that's and what they Jesse promoted saying. nudity yeah. in, in the Holy Land, which was very antithetical to the Jewish way of right. life. So that right. was a big cultural divide. Right. The classical idea of the, the human body is a temple. And that you worship, you really, really celebrate and worship the nude as kind of the epitome, the epitome of godliness. Not, that's not a Jewish oh, idea. Right. So, so Jewish artists tended to shy away from that, and also because of modesty. Okay. But there are representations. Um, the uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe said, I believe it was in the 1970s. He actually wrote about art, and he and he didn't come out and say human beings were okay or representing the the figure, but he said that there's nothing wrong with representing, you know, uh, God's creations and, and, draw, and actually representing reality, doing representational art. He did. I read that. <laughs> um, I'd like to tell you about Cheslin Amato because her technique is interesting. She says, for the last seven or eight years, I've been working with a color radiant mirror film that reflects and projects colored light phenomena just by being illuminated by a light source. The frequencies of color are revealed as shapes and choreographies of color on surfaces that catch the projecting rays. Um, so it's ephemeral. She's creating something that's ephemeral, but she then documents it with a photograph and makes a print of the photograph. So that's what you're looking at. This is called uh, the wondrous well in the desert. And you sort of see an image of, of Miriam and this flash of light. So um, she's very into Kabbalah and, and mystical light and vessels and, and ideas like that. But I just thought, you know, it's very interesting to think about, uh, you know, when you're making a photograph, you're, it means literally writing with light. So she's, she's sort of moving this forward in, this, in exploring light that is beyond what we see in our daily life and creating something really, I think, very exciting. So this is Emily Stern. This is the artist I referred to earlier. Um, there's a quote here. There's always a field surrounding us leading to another more, fragr more fragrant field, a shore of sand that leads to a much wider sea. Um, she did a series of photographs um, called Wells of Miriam. It's a series exploring the hope of pure water becoming available for all who need it by transforming parched desert lands into water retention landscapes. These landscapes are mikvah, ritual waters of transformation in Jewish tradition. 
Mikvah had many meanings. In Hebrew, the word means not only immersive bath, but also gathering and hope. In the prophetic tradition, Jeremiah 17, God is our mikvah. We can understand these ancient words to mean that spirituality, symbolized by pools of living water, is both our hope and our source of transformation. And she um, studied water, reta water retention landscaping in Portugal at a place called the Tamara Peace Research Center. And the landscape there is a series of interconnected areas of natural materials that help parched land to absorb rainwater, which seeps deep into the earth to rejuvenate the landscape. Let me show you a few more images by her. So here's another one. This is called Caleb's Secret, and I don't know what that references to you. Uh, I don't know the story Caleb, of Caleb. Caleb and Joshua were the two Maybe spies. Maybe the spies. They went into the land and came back. Oh, there you go. And that's good. Don't the listen land. to these other ten guys. So, yeah. yeah, so they're looking, and, and you see all the dryness, but you see the oasis in the foreground, hmm. which is lovely. What um, is that? Is that Photoshop? <clears throat> this is a photograph. Has she manipul manipulated it in any way? or? Is I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're, they're pretty like straightforward. Um, What's interesting to think about, if they, if they were coming from the desert into the land, we're, it's Caleb's perspective. We're seeing it from behind that, looking back out that way. Well, maybe he has to go back there and tell him. He does. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he looked this way. So she, she says, not only we ourselves, but also the whole planet needs transformation. Clean water and the life and nourishment that clean water provides are inaccessible to countless millions as landscapes once green and lush become polluted and parched. Slowly we are learning that humanity must shift our behavior so that clean water and spiritual clar clarity both can flow in needed abundance. And then she talks about the practice of water retention landscaping as a way of uh, creating sustainable water, creating life, honoring the earth. Uh, she says the overlay of environmental design and spirituality itself is a source of transformation, a mikvah in mind, vision, spirit, heart, ethics, mm -hmm. and action. Who was she again? Emily Stern. Okay. This is another image. This is called Eitz Shalom, Tree of Peace. And I think, honestly, this as a photo is just, you know, it's not that great. Yeah. It's kind of out of focus here, but um, <laughs> clearly the, it's really a, the concept that is so, is so significant and important. Okay. Um, oh, I think I skipped one. Here we go. Okay, this is Anna Fine 4. This is from 2014, and this piece is 20 and a half inches by 15 and a half inches. It's a collage. Who is it? Anna Fine 4, F-O-E-R. Aspects of Miriam's story are depicted. This is her little statement about this piece. Baby Moses is in a basket. The hand and the white and gray colored growths on the rocks represent leprosy. According to the Torah, Miriam's wells dried up when she died. This is represented by the water flowing at the top of the collage and dry wells and landscape at the bottom. And I just think it's so interesting to see all the different ways that people are working with the same concept. So and you wouldn't necessarily know all that just looking at this piece. It's sort of, you have to really decode it, and you, and you have to, I think, read what she wrote. I, I, I wouldn't have necessarily unpacked that. And that's, that's an interesting element, too, because um, I wonder sometimes with my own work about um, some of the Judaic content, 
if people aren't coming from our tradition, can they even relate to that? And I think that this is a good example of a piece that, that sort of stands on its own as an art piece. And if you have the knowledge or the information and you want to unpack that element, you can. But it's also just successful kind of as a collage, as a decorative piece. So that's, that's I think, something that we as artists in a very small minority culture, although you wouldn't feel that way in Highland Park necessarily, but the truth is we're a tiny, tiny group in the world, and we have to think about how our work's going to be seen by others uh, who are maybe outside our group as well as inside our group. And what's our group anyway, right? It's a pretty diverse group. Oops. Skipping one. Okay. This is an artist named Alexander Bogan, and he lived, uh, he had a very long life, as you see. He was an illustrious Jewish visual artist, a commanding partisan during the Holocaust, mm. and a pioneer of Israeli modern art and education. To be, a, this is a quote, to be a creative during the Holocaust was also a protest. Mm -hmm. So that's another element of, of art that we haven't really mm -hmm. talked about. We've talked about um, art as, like with Emily Stern, it's a way of, um, you know, it, kind of exercising social justice, but we haven't talked about it to the extent of it being an act of protest against evil. Each man, when standing face to face with cruel danger, with death, reacts in his own way. The artist reacts in an artistic way. This is his weapon. I just found that really moving, you know, the fact that he survived, that he fought back, that he lived so long, and he's a wonderful abstract artist. Um, this is, I don't know why this is called great composition. <laughs> but to me, this looks like an aerial view of the fields, you know, when you fly over the Midwest. That's what it reminded me of. You're so from Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm so from Wisconsin. <laughs> Every, I'm looking through, like, oh, come on, the, that's Nebraska. The lens yeah, of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> it is Nebraska. But it's just, I think it's just very beautiful. And people tend to, some people dismiss abstract art because, oh, my kid could do that. But the fact is that abstraction no is the hardest kind of work to do. To make uh, that's something That's what I'm talking about, the gap in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and actually that's something that sort of recurs in his work. It's like... Unfinished. Well, and it's a, it's also... No, I mean... It just struck yeah. me that it's also a glimpse into a dark world. Right. I did a Smooth. painting once of a boxcar, and there was a, just a half-inch wide crack through which you could see some things. And um, it was so hard just to even paint that half inch. And th th this sort of reminds me a little of that, although I think it's a very joyful and life-affirming piece. Oh, sorry. I'm having trouble with this. Okay. And here's another one. That he calls it Moulin Rouge. Okay. So, but it's, uh, it's just gorgeous. That's Toulouse-Lautrec's green. Yeah, like that lady's face. Yeah. Green is growth. It's light or decay wait. or mold. Yeah. But I don't think this is that kind of green. I mean, there's a Grunewald crucifixion where Jesus is green. That's a bad color. <laughs> when the person hurts green, it's never good. But this, to me, is That's like true. spring green. This is life, especially, you know, he lived in Israel for all those years after but the war. But that Moulin Rouge green, that's a green that's like under artificial light. Mm -hmm. um, there's something sort green. of menacing. It suggests this does too. Oh, yes. no, I don't think this does. I think those, um, you know, the Moulin Rouge green that you're yeah. talking about, like the Toulouse-Lautrec, yeah, where there's in a club atmosphere. Yeah, that like light. I think this. I think this is menace surrounded by peace and growth. 
I think number one, you can't make too much of titles. Yeah. Um, number two, he may not be thinking about Toulouse Lautrec. Language, though. I mean, well, Moulin Rouge was a club in Paris. It still stands. I see a mill right in there, the Moulin. So is this the mill? No. Where do you see the mill? I see the mill here. Oh, it could be. Could the what? The mill. Right, that's right. This is like looks like the the blades of the mill. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I just think they're beautiful. Yeah, right. There's a lot of and very, very well. There's some Hebrew letters in there, oh. too. Okay, here's another one. And again, you've got that shape of that slit, which I find really compelling. And then he's got a horizontal. Um, he calls this windowsill. So it's a view on life, which all wow. paintings are, in a sense. You know, in the Renaissance, they called it like a, a window, because they create a depth huh. for the first time. So then this is something completely different. This is an artist named Leah Caroline, and I'm going to read you her uh, bio because it's quite interesting. Yeah. She was born in Brooklyn, New York, and raised in the Hasidic community of Crown Heights. Mm -hmm. She received her BFA from Lyme Academy College of Fine Arts in Old Lyme, Connecticut. Caroline works with a variety of media, blah, 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 I won't list them all, and she exhibits widely. She's uh, illustrated for Chabad.org. She lives and works in New Haven with her husband and four kids. So she's all about the garden. What's her name? Her name? Leah. Leah, Leah Caroline. And if you Google her, she'll pop up. I can give you guys a list of these artists, too. Google so she Leah. says, if someone want to read this. If you are holding, Shimon Bar Yochai taught, if you are holding a sapling in your hand and someone says, Moshiach has drawn near, first part the sapling. Plant. And plant. Oh, I'm sorry. It's hard to read. First plant the sapling and then go and greet Moshiach. So that's a nice message that, you know, the planting is imperative. That, that's, that's, again, that stewardship, that, that interaction with the earth, that creativity. It is nicely done. And it's so, it's so idiosyncratic. It's very casual. It's, uh, I mean, the handwriting is, is just her own. Um, she incorporates, it looks like colored pencil drawings, and then there are some with photo transfers. Like this one has some photos. Someone want to read this? I am my garden, I am planting, weeding, seeding, composting. There is growth everywhere, everywhere. and abundance. Greeners, greeners I think these are colors. Yellows, violets, uh, and abundance of regeneration. Looks like vegetation. Flowers, <laughs> vegetables, and fruits, and fruits of the earth. So this is. Um, Celebration, the garden planting is a form of prayer, I think, for her. And then celebrating it and documenting it is another form of devotion. It's just very uh, fresh. I think it's very modern. Also, it's, you know, when you think of Brooklyn and even Crown Heights, there isn't a lot of earth. Well, she lives in Connecticut now. But she came from a very urban environment. She left her landscape to find another Yeah, Yes, right. She passed over the river. Those are all in pots, I believe, if you look back at them. Yeah. They were in pots, and pots are an urban phenomenon. Right. right. Exactly. True. Very true. Rich, dark, cool earth, teeming with life, insects and worms and small creatures. When I dig, I always find moving, living, squirming things. This is like what you said, Enid, you lift the rock and you see something. Uh, sometimes beneficial for my garden, sometimes not, but always fascinating. When I dig, the soil runs through my fingers, my hands. I love the sensation. So she's relating to the sensual feeling of... And she grew a hand. The earth, the ground we trod, supports all life, gives all life, it creates life, vegetation. But how? 
we humans dig, haul, plow, saw, sow, and sweat. But sometimes that is not enough, and sometimes it is not needed at all. The seed or kernel bulb or tuber is put in the dirt, and sometimes and something wondrous happens. So that's what I was talking about, the idea of the covenant, you know, the interaction with the earth. The painting is wonderful. The yeah. painting is wonderful. Yeah, I think so too, and I like how it's got a postcard feeling. You know, um, I like the flow of it. It's got a wonderful movement to it. And think about like the composition of this. If she, if we just had the picture, eh, you know, okay, it's nothing special. But the way she put it together with the writing and this figure, um, that's a fun possibility for us. If for especially for some of you who are fiber artists, you know, maybe combining an element um, that you've created with something that you write. We've got some writers here. And so I continue to dig, my hands on the earth, the earth in my hands. And this is just, you know, these are photos that she's, um, uh, digital photos. Okay, now we're getting to somebody very traditional. I'm sorry, could I repeat her name? Oh, her name is Leah Caroline. That's the name that she uses as an artist. I'm sure there's a last name too. So this is Ruben Rubin, who is a very famous uh, I'm sure, Nessie, you could probably tell us. I'll just read this no, a little. No, no, I just uh, looked at it and I said, it looks like Rubin, and I saw somebody else now doing it. Don't, I, I find, I mean, I don't know much about him. I'm just learning about him, but I feel that his his style is so distinctive, you recognize it immediately. Um, he was born in uh, Galicia, to, uh, I'm not sure if that's right, but to a poor Romanian Jewish Hasidic family. He was the eighth of 13 children. Wow. So in 1912, he left for Ottoman ruled Palestine to study art at the Tzalal, 1912. Okay. Um, and then he, of course, was at odds with the artistic views of the academy's teachers. So he went to Paris. <laughs> and then he went later at the brick of World War I, he went to Romania. He spent the war years there. And then in 1921, he went to the United States. So um, he shared a studio in New York City. He met artist Alfred Stieglitz. He was very significant in the history of art in this country. He really brought modern art to this country. Yes. He was Jewish. Huge influence on, on world art, really. He was married to Georgia O'Keeffe. And That's he was right. married to Georgia O'Keeffe, right. Um, so he exhibited at the Anderson Gallery. and He got married to... Um, can't read it. Oh, I, I don't think I have that. But um, he, he returned to Europe in 1923 and then, he, or in 1923, emigrated to Palestine. So he really was a, a pioneer of Israeli art. But he was a world artist. He studied in Paris, he studied in New York, um, and he had the B'Tselel experience. So he's really got all of it. So he's in the 1920s. Artists are already doing a lot of abstraction. He's sort of coming, I think, out of that impressionist kind of feeling of bucolic mm -hmm. landscape painting, it's more of an earlier time in a way, but he's finding a way to express Israeli, you know, Holy Land imagery. And I found this one interesting because he's got the, um, the cemetery in the foreground, and so much of what Jerusalem is is a cemetery because people have wanted to go there to be buried for centuries. I actually just did a painting on that theme of, if you think about what's above the ground, there's so much more below, because, I mean, thousands of years of people being buried in Jerusalem. But this is very beautiful, the trees and the oh, road. Yeah. Olive trees. I, you know, I looked at this shape at the bottom and I thought, is that a parking lot? 
anyway, it's just interesting to think about. Um, now this is Grant Wood, and Grant Wood is from Iowa, and um, I've been to the Grant Wood Museum in Cedar Rapids, which is really worth going to. It's a very small museum, but it has a really first-rate collection of his work. What is the museum? Cedar Rapids, mm -hmm. which is not that far of a drive. It's four, four hours, maybe. Um, there isn't anything else in Cedar Rapids worth seeing, but it's worth it. <laughs> uh, and there's some pretty towns around it. But I, he, he actually, part of the political thing in the 30s was there were people like Thomas Hart Benton. Most of the artists were not conservative like him. But there were a lot of artists who were caught up in um, communism and uh, socialism and also even Grant Wood, who was more of a kind of homespun Iowa guy, he, he created a um, commune called Stone City outside of Cedar Rapids, and I visited. And there were a bunch of artists living there together, and, you know, mayhem ensued, as you <laughs> knew it would. And it ended up getting burned down, so that was the end of that. And there was a lot of, you know, marriages broke up, and everybody was misbehaving it's with everybody else's shocking stuff. shocking to say. A lot of booze. Um, but the, the, this is really what it looks like there. I mean, it's really beautiful. What's his name? Grant Wood. Wood. Grant Wood. Is he his famous picture in the Art Institute? Yeah, American, American Gothic. Gothic, the farmer and his okay. wife. And That's part of his that. daughter in that it's, picture. I thought it was his niece. sister? No, it's not his wife. You it's think? not his wife. It's I think his it was his sister. Daughter, she modeled his dentist. Him. It's his dentist. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's not meant to be. A, yeah. <laughs> I was always fine. Anyway, so he's... Um, so what do you what what message do you get about the earth from this painting? Wow. Fertile. Fertile. I mean, it looks like a body. It looks like a woman. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it looks Lucky. stitched together. Yeah. It, it looks like a like woman. Pieces. God help you. So what does Aaron like? Odell, the tree. What about the stitching together? What might that re reference? Belly button. Quilt. Quilting. Yeah. yeah. And, it does and look that's like quilting. very popular. You can still find a lot of quilting. But those trees look, you know, they don't look like they look like, like yeah. grapes. Like women yeah. as well. They're very stylized. Yeah. So he's also trying to work in a semi-traditional way, but he's really updating it by, uh, it's very stylized. It's not strictly speaking realistic. So he really went his own way, which is pretty admirable, because if you think about it, 1931, I mean, you know, what was happening in Europe did, had nothing to do with this. He was not stylish. But he was successful in his well, time. Well, I'm not sure because I think the colors that he uses are opposites. And I think that there's light and growth and fertileness. I also feel like there's something uh, ominous about it. The color of the sky. The, uh, the, the color of the trees. I know you use shadows, but the shadows and the, trees and the sides of the trees I mean, I understand it artistically, but there's something to me that's a little uneasy. And then when we hmm. talked about the separation, the lines, and earlier today, he's got those divisions. So I'm not sure whether it makes me feel good or it makes me scared or it makes me worry yeah. about what's coming. Very gothic painting is creepy. Well, it reminds me of a C-section. <laughs> 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 it just does. Um, but but you bring up a good point: the separation. Um, one thing that we have not discussed in, in dealing with uh, imagery of landscapes is fences. And for us, as Americans, as Jews who care about Israel, 
the fence is a very important thing for good and for bad. And uh, right in the Bible, I mean, you're going to, this land will be yours. And that's how you make land yours. You put fences up around it and you guard it. So it's the, you know, there's this sort of natural earth and then there's the earth that is fenced in and claimed and all attendant issues with that. I find, we, oh, we're almost done. Yeah. I find this a very contradictory picture if you look at the date. It was the height of the Depression. It was the height of the migration west from Oklahoma and those dust bowl states. And here you've got this lush, incredible green, beautiful landscape. You know, I just real, I didn't realize I ran out of time. I appreciate your point, but I want to show this last one really quick. Um, oh, wow. These are, these are really interesting. Um, the artist on the left is Virginia King. She's from New Zealand. And this is where the land itself becomes the canvas. So she has created this earthwork. So that's a whole project of moving earth and sculpting it and planting and then photographing it to document it. And then Andy Goldsworthy is a very, very famous um, environmental uh, kind of earth artist, and he'll like carve something into the earth, he documents it. The tree, he's actually daubed that with mud from the peat bog to create that pattern. I want to show you one more uh, image by him. These are things by him. So he'll take, he'll take these leaves and he'll cover or expose and allow the sun to act on them so that he's using natural uh, processes, whether they're chemical or solar, to, to actually change the appearance of things. And he doesn't leave a mark, though. Everything he does is like, it doesn't change anything. And the Goldsworthy. Oh. Now this one, he'll just collect rocks mm -hmm. of the right color, and that's a really uh, signature image for him. He's done that with many different things. But that's also, I, I know we're, we're out of time, but I just want to say, um, here's an artist who's, who's doing the opposite of agriculture. Because he's, he's arranging and he's allowing interaction with natural processes, but everything when he's done goes back to nat nature and he doesn't interfere or generate anything. So that's a whole different way of thinking about interacting with the earth. So sorry we ran over. Happy birthday. See you next week. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yay. I was gardening and I yanked something and I fell backwards and my horse was like a